Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to A Sweet Sunrise Podcast. I'm your host, Callie Dane, and every other Tuesday, I come on here to rant about books and share my thoughts on today's wellness practices. I know I pulled a fast one last week by switching the structure of the podcast to every other week. I just realized that it was better for a mock book club schedule type because it gives me more time to really absorb the book instead of rushing to finish it when I have time during the week. That being said, I had plenty of time to appreciate this week's pick, which is none other than The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. I finished this book in a little over a week and was just completely blown away. It's not the easiest read either, and I read it very fast, which means it was very interesting. It kept me on my toes. It kept me interested. I have surpassed my reading goals these past few weeks, and I'm loving it. I've been a little reading machine, which always inspires me to work on my own writing. I got the chance to work on my own novel a lot this past week, and I'm really excited about where it's going. I'm grateful to have that downtime at my desk sometimes where I can just read and write and kind of feel inspired, little motivation to like actually get me working, you know? Work has been good, but a little stressful because my coworker has been on vacation for a couple days, so I've been doing my best to hold down the fort while she's gone. She should be back by the time this is out, so I'll probably be feeling a lot better. <laughs> Dusty and I were really grateful to have a couple weekends where we didn't have anywhere to go. We were so booked for over a month straight that it was just really nice to have some weekends at home together. The last weekend in April, we took Kenzie and her boyfriend to Dave & Buster's for her birthday, which was a blast. We played a bunch of games, and Dusty and I spent our tickets on an adorable pink stuffed elephant that I love. Last weekend, we hung out with our friends Miguel, Megan, Rocky, and on a Friday night, we had margaritas, played board games, and there's this new game that we have called Wavelength. I don't know if it's like super popular, if anyone's heard of it which is really hard to explain, but it has this like big wheel and there are cards and there's like a dial that you move. Anyway, um, basically you just have to kind of guess what your teammate is thinking about a topic and it's just so much fun. You need to try it. Then yesterday we watched the Netflix documentary about the Texas Killing Field, the little docuseries, which is really interesting. I had no idea about it. I had never heard about it before. My mom texted me yesterday and said, don't look anything up just watch this I think that's the way to go into it I didn't need to do like any research beforehand they explain everything to you and it was really interesting it just really shows how you know women and young girls are so vulnerable to violent crime and how the criminal justice system often just fails the victims and their families but if you're into true crime I definitely recommend watching it because I personally like I said did not know any of these serial killings had taken place or had ever heard of the term the Texas killing fields But that's pretty much up for life updates. It's been chill. I've been reading, running, and taking it easy for the last couple weeks. And with that being said, let's get into the episode. Since I've been trying to stay on top of things, mainly my health this spring, I thought I'd share some things that make me feel good and productive. This won't be too long and boring since this podcast is mostly just an audio diary, and it will probably mostly end up being for myself so that whenever I'm feeling low, I can come listen to this list and be reminded of what makes me feel my best. Number one on my list is running. And I know that that turns a lot of people away immediately, but there's this awful idea that running sucks and only certain people can run, and that's really not true at all. When I started running, I could barely run like a 
11 minute mile and it was just rough I thought it was like over but I was also on like a team so I felt that pressure and if you're just running like by yourself to just exercise you don't have any of that pressure and you can just do it to feel good and you can do it completely at your own pace because it really doesn't matter if you're looking for exercise and a way to naturally boost your mood and feel accomplished seriously just forget everything you think you know about running and give it a shot but before you do Know that it's amazing to have goals, but not to put too much pressure on yourself. Start small and realistic. If you're just starting, maybe run for 20 to 25 minutes twice a week, and then when you're comfortable with that, move up to three times a week, and so on. Try not to worry about running fast, and just focus on moving your body. A lot of times, a 30-minute, three-mile run can feel a lot better than a 17-minute, two-mile run. Just listen to your body. And yes, anyone can do it you can still be a runner if you run 12 minute miles it does not matter nobody cares no one's gonna judge you for it runners are really for the most part i can't speak for everyone but for the most part what i've seen they're a really positive community of improvement and of reaching goals and really the race is mostly against yourself anyway so you don't really need to be focused on what other people are doing especially if you're just doing it for exercise and to feel good Number two on my list is smoothies in the morning. Every day before work, I wake up and make myself a smoothie with spinach, half a banana, blueberries, almond milk, superfood powder, and chia seeds. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm not a fruit person at all, so I get most of my fruit through my morning smoothies. It's just a really great energy and health boost, and it makes me feel really good in the morning. I'd really recommend trying this out if you're looking for ways to add more nutrients into your routine because they're so versatile. You can literally use anything you want. You can add protein powder, collagen powder, probiotic supplements, and anything you might need with a mix of whatever fruits you like. My mom also adds frozen kale to hers because she has more of a problem, I think, with like vegetables and greens. So she gets that boost in there and kale has a really bitter taste but when you add it to the smoothie you really can't taste it at all that's how i feel about the superfood powder i put in mine sometimes i will mix it with water and just have that as a drink but if i put it in a smoothie i really can't taste it i was worried that it was gonna like mess up my smoothie and make it gross but it doesn't you really can't taste it at all i might have to try some of the frozen kale too i just haven't bought any of my own yet number three on my list is similar in that it is also a beverage and that is tea I have been back on my green tea game, which makes me feel really good. Green tea is full of antioxidants and helps reduce inflammation, which is great for me because my skin is really acne prone and can get very inflamed. A lot of studies also suggest that it helps prevent things like cancer, type 2 diabetes, and even cardiovascular disease. So I've been sipping some green tea in the afternoons both at home and at work to help me feel my best. And then at night, if I'm feeling it, I will have some sleepy time tea. I don't remember exactly which brand I get, but it's the one that's like peppermint something, and it just really soothing. I think it has chamomile and peppermint. It's really soothing, and it really actually does help me get to sleep faster. So if I'm feeling like a little extra, I'm really going to need a good sleep tonight type thing, I have something to do, I'll definitely have some sleepy time tea and get to bed. And next is going to have to be having fresh flowers and houseplants in my space. I know I've already talked about hanging eucalyptus in the bathroom, but I've also been getting some flower bundles from Trader Joe's for our living room, 
the past couple of weeks, I've gotten some called mum balls, which are super pretty and last forever. They really help to just add a little something to the room along with my few potted plants. I'm trying not to get any more live plants until we move this summer because I think it would just be a pain to move them all. I'm really excited about just filling our place with plants. Um, I have definitely killed more than a few plants in my college days, but I am trying to get better and I will def- the two I have right now are going pretty strong. Okay, one of them's going pretty strong. But when we get our next place, I'm going to I'm going to be good and I'm going to fill it with plants and it's going to be great. <laughs> and last on my mini list is cooking. I was talking about this with Miguel and Kenzie a couple weeks ago. It's really easy to eat out these days, and we're all tired from work and school. It's always tempting to just order some Uber Eats, but cooking is so much better for your physical and mental health. It doesn't have to be anything fancy, just a meal prep, a basic lasagna, or maybe taco salad. It's better for your budget, mind, and body. I know we'd probably all love to eat Taco Bell every night, but I promise you can learn to make things that are just as good, but ten times better for you. Dusty has really gotten into cooking since he stopped working in retail to focus on school, and I've really been impressed by some of the things he's made so far. Even though he despises sushi, like absolutely despises it, will plug his nose if I'm eating it. (laughs) He actually made a delicious plate of spicy salmon rolls for our friends and I, and it was so good. He even made his own spicy mayo, and I was super impressed with that. He went, went out and made his own spicy mayo. He has been really into perfecting his smash burgers lately, and the last ones he made were to die for. The hardest things for me about cooking besides motivation is finding inspiration for what to make. I don't know if anyone can relate to that, but it's hard to, like, I kind of have an idea of what I want, but I don't know, like, the ingredients or how to measure it or whatever. Pinterest is always a big help, and I'm going to try and post some warmer meals on Instagram to hold myself accountable. Since that completes my mini list, now I'm going to move on to discuss our pick of the week. As you know, today we will be discussing The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. Let me just start by saying that I was not expecting to like this book as much as I did. I was sad that I finished the book I read before and the one I ordered hadn't come in yet, so I took Dusty's copy off the shelf at random. I don't know if any other readers do this, but I was so sad. I was depressed, straight up depressed when I finished A Girl Called Samson. I just needed like something else right away. Like I wanted to order something else by Amy Harmon right away. I just needed like, I needed that book to continue and obviously it didn't. But I ended up picking up Troy, not Troy, (laughs) ended up picking up The Song of Achilles and I'm really, really glad that I did. Um, I have been a huge fan of the movie Troy for years the one starring Brad Pitt, and I was really skeptical skeptical of entertaining such a different version of the legend, but when I started reading, I was shocked. The depth of this story is really something else. We're dealing with Greek mythology, love, loss, betrayal, war, and supernatural beings. Like, this is everything. It's a lot to take in, but it's well worth it. I'm not really going to give my usual back-of-the-book summary because almost everyone already knows the story of Achilles, but I will give you a bit of a refresher, just kind of remind you of what you need to know for this book. So Achilles is the son of the sea nymph nymph Thetis, or Thetis, I don't really know how to 
properly pronounce any of these, so I'm going to call her Thetis, a goddess and King Peleus. He is raised in his father's kingdom, and his mother visits him often from the sea. A prophecy from the gods told Thetis that her son would be the best of the Greeks, an untouchable warrior that would change the world and surpass his father in greatness. As he grows up, the prophecy spreads, and nearly all of Greek Greece knows of his skill as a warrior. When Helen, queen of Sparta, sails away from her husband with a Trojan prince, Paris, most of Greece unites under King Agamemnon to go to war and take her back. The king and his top advisors, including Odysseus and Helen's husband, Menelaus, know they will need Achilles to win this war because he's the best of the Greeks. As Achilles weighs his options, his mother brings him another prophecy from the gods. She's basically like, hey, (laughs) if you go to fight in Troy, you'll die over there, but you'll gain fame and immortality. In other words, he'll be a hero. If he stays, there's no guarantee of that. Heavy thing to tell your son, huh? Like 17 years old? Yeah. Um, If he stays, there's no guarantee of that, and he'll probably be forgotten quickly after his death. Obviously, that's not what he wants. The prophecy also states that Hector, the eldest prince of Troy, will die before him. Achilles decides to go fight in a war that would end up lasting 10 years, and he brings his companion, Patroclus, with him. Now, this book is all told from Patroclus' point of view, which I really appreciate. In history, in the legend, no one really knows who Patroclus was to Achilles, just that they were almost always together, according to the legends. The 2004 movie Troy wrote that Patroclus was his cousin who was being trained by Achilles for battle. Obviously, even though Achilles can't even be confirmed as a real person and that this legend... um, is a legend and it's not proven history um the iliad definitely doesn't say they were cousins so that goes against the iliad what troy was doing um i don't think the iliad ever mentions specifically what they were and that's what this like gray area is they were just together all the time and troy kind of took the liberty and said they were cousins but you know However, many scholars and historians have suggested that they were either close friends or lovers. Given the tales of the two always together, it sounds like a fair assessment, and Madeline Miller explores this form of relationship in her book, The Song of Achilles. The book starts out with the boys as young children, and I love this because you get to see them literally from when they're like nine years old, their bond from nine years old to like the age of 28. And that's, it's, it, you feel those years, even though there are obviously time jumps, like you feel that they've loved each other for such a long time. So Patroclus is an exiled child sent to live in the kingdom of Peleus, Achilles' father. And these chapters of the two boys becoming best friends are some of the sweetest, most innocent chapters that introduces a love story that I've ever read. The way Patroclus admires Achilles from the start is obvious. Yes, Achilles is half god and therefore constructed beautifully. But young Patroclus admires everything about him, from his musical talents to his humor. And at this time, Achilles trains with weapons alone, as no one is allowed to see him fight due to the prophecy. And so, it's clear to Achilles that Patroclus sees him and appreciates him as more than that. The two become inseparable, and their innocence continues to Mount Pelion, where they are sent for three years to learn from the great centaur Chiron. 
The boys learn hunting, healing, and many other life lessons as they discover their true feelings towards one another. After some time, they realize that their bond is more than just friendship. They stay there in that almost paradise until the age of 17 when Agamemnon calls for war. One thing I love about Miller's take on Achilles is that he is more than a fighting machine. He's also sensitive. You get to see him from when he's like, like sat nine, and he's just kind of like this little boy who is super sweet and kind and cares about the other boys that live in his father's kingdom. And something definitely clicks when he gets to Troy. Like, if you watch the movie Troy, Achilles is kind of always presented as this, like, really gruff, muscular, super masculine, I only fight type thing. Like, yes, you see his raw emotion later on a little bit, but he's not much of, like, a person. He's just the warrior. I really appreciated seeing the other side of Achilles because even if he's destined for this one thing, he still was a person before that. There's a switch that goes off on him when he gets to Troy in the book. As soon as he gets to those shores and throws the spear for the first time, he is like, you see the hubris that's been talked about in the Iliad and the Odyssey. You see you see all those kind of like more arrogant personality traits kind of come out and it makes you long for this like sensitive musical kind child that you knew in the pages before and I just really appreciated that kind of like heartbreak when he took because it's still that sensitive guy is kind of still always there but I appreciated that he could kind of be both in the same story And yet he realizes when he gets to Troy, this is what I'm born for. This is what I'm going to do. And you get all this like intense confidence, intense pride. The arrogance is there. And it's just like, oh, like a switch goes off. So he was that extremely masculine warrior. And at the same time before that, he was the sensitive musician and a lover. He remains a lover throughout the whole book which Patroclus is able to kind of draw out that sensitive side of him that was his whole personality before he got to Troy, Um, which is sweet because it shows you, like, the influence he really has over him of how long they've known each other. But, yeah, it's not something you got to see at all in the movie Troy. Like, you don't see that side in the Brad Pitt movie. You just see the kind of asshole guy who fights. That's kind of it. I also love that the gods were so much more real in the book. Like, in the book, there's no disputing that the gods are, like, real. Because you you meet Thetis, you experience all these different plagues that the gods set on them. Like, the absence of wind before they're even able to sail to Troy because the gods were upset. And then the actual plague that they send with disease and everything after he, Agamemnon, kidnaps the priest. Um, so I loved that aspect of it. Because in the movie, in the movie Troy adaptation of the Iliad, it's, the gods aren't really proven. Like, you see Thetis, but she's not mentioned specifically as a goddess in the movie. She's just kind of there by the water and has a conversation with Achilles. Like, they never tell you what she is. And also in the movie, he is, like, very disrespectful towards the gods. And I'm not saying that he was, like, a super worshiper in the book but there's literally a famous scene in Troy where he goes and cuts the head off a 
statue, a golden statue of Apollo. And I just think book Achilles, the way he's portrayed in the song of Achilles, would have never done that. It doesn't make sense that any version of Achilles would have done that because he understands the power of the gods, because he knows they're real, because his mom is one of them. And he wouldn't, he just wouldn't have been that disrespectful. Um, so yeah, there's no disputing their existence. It's a part of the story in the book. In the movie, he's this, it's part of his, it's part of how they portray his arrogance, I guess, but he really just kind of sticks it to the gods whenever he can. So you've all probably heard the story of the Trojan War and how it ends, but I'm not going to spoil it for you from this new lens. You might be familiar with the characters, but this book shows them in a new light. I'm also really glad that this book is told from Patroclus' point of view, because he's often overlooked. Like, yes, he kind of starts this chain of events that ends the war and brings it to its climax, but no one really focuses on him as a character pretty much ever. So I'm glad that we get to see through his eyes, especially because he was always with Achilles, like literally always with him. So he would have known the inside out of the whole story. He would have known absolutely everything. So I think it's really smart that Madeline Miller chose to not say, chose to not portray the story from Achilles' point of view, but to instead look through Patroclus's eyes and get that kind of other perspective. And while I do still love the movie Troy, I will fully acknowledge that the Song of Achilles is more true to the source text of the Iliad. Like, just to list off a couple things. What's true in the Iliad and the Song of Achilles, like, the what they stayed true to, is that Helen, Helen voluntarily marries Menelaus. Like, full-on voluntarily chooses him. Achilles dies before they enter Troy which they don't do in the movie. They have him, like, go in there. And Menelaus survives the war, and Hector's wife was taken as a slave by Achilles' son. So, yeah, in the movie, Paris, Helen, um, I can't remember Hector's wife's name right now, Hector's wife and her son have this, like, grand escape throughout the tunnels, and that was not the case in the Iliad or the Song of Achilles. And before you say Achilles had a son, he wasn't gay, like, type thing, just read the book. Like, it's not, it's not a love situation, what happens with that woman, okay? It's just, it's not it. That was his mom's doing. So, I do like both. I've been watching Troy. I watched Troy for the first time when I was, like, really young, and I love that movie. I like to sit down and just watch it every once in a while. It's one of those things that you can rewatch. but I also fell in love with this book, and it just goes to show that you can appreciate more than one version of a legend or myth. That's the beauty of it. It's not set in stone. It's not, like, actual history. You can, you can manipulate it and change it into different versions, and it still kind of tells the same story. It has the same themes. And let me tell you, for any romance lovers out there, as a romance, this is one that you want to read. It's genuine, it's painful, and it's beautiful. One of the best romances I've read in a long time. And as far as my rating, get ready for this one. It is a full 10 out of 10. This book shocked me in the best way. And I'm so glad I ended up reading it. The way Miller writes is truly mesmerizing, and I really think she did the story justice. This is your sign. Go get yourself a copy from Amazon or from the bookstore. You won't regret it, I promise. 
And that is going to be all for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider following the show and leaving a rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It would really make my day. As always, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at a sweet sunrise underscore pod and myself on TikTok at Callie X Dane for more. Thanks again for listening and have a great week, everyone. Thank you.